Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Uh, today, we have an interesting group of players, uh, Malik Smith, Joe Musgrove, and Derek Rodriguez. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Jacob Wincoop at Jacob W. Wincoop. Uh, for the Malik Smith and Joe Musgrove recommendations after he left a five-star rating and review. And then a thank, uh, and then Derek Rodriguez is thanks to Mr. 301 at underscore Daddy M uh, on Twitter, who also left a five-star rating and review. Thanks to you both, and thanks for making some really interesting uh, suggestions. Uh, the Reach Charles today, we are going to talk about the new Baseball Savant webpage, which I'm really digging uh, the, new, the new look and some of the added uh, statistics from StatCast that they have available through that website. So definitely check that out. A shout out to Darren Willman at Darren W, D-A-R-E-N-W on Twitter, uh, who is the programmer and runs that Baseball Savant uh, web page and also is putting out always some really interesting visuals from his Twitter account. Definitely give him a follow. Uh, kudos to that. Uh, really excited. Uh, later on this week, I will hopefully start with position preview on catchers. I got a lot of work to do there, but hopefully we'll get that at some point in the next week. And then uh, should have a very interesting conversation um, with uh, Jason Johnson, um, who reached out to me uh, on Twitter. Um, we're going to have a little chat about uh, projections, and uh, we're going to record that, and I hope people uh, are interested uh, in that. That'll be coming out later this week, probably, so that is very exciting. As I mentioned, from this point forward, folks who do leave a five-star rating and a review can select one player uh, to be featured on an upcoming uh, podcast. I am trying to focus a lot of my energy and attention from this point forward on doing the position previews so that we can get through everybody. I will not be able to go as in-depth as I would like to on them, but I will try to provide as comprehensive a view as possible. Um, so we'll start out with catcher and then move our way through the infield and outfield starting pitcher and relief pitchers. Uh, depending on how much time and or research I am able to do, uh, I will um, adjust uh, uh, how quickly and how in-depth I go on different uh, people. Uh, I mentioned this on Twitter, but I, uh, in some major personal news, uh, me and my family are moving uh, from the great state of Washington uh, back home to California. Both my wife and I grew up in Northern California, and so we're moving closer to family. Very excited um, about that. That is, an in, that is a pretty big move just from a family standpoint. So how much content I will be able to uh, generate over the next few weeks uh, may be slightly limited. I'm also starting a new job. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly how much content I will be able to create, but I am going to do my darndest to make sure that I get out some rankings by position and do these previews and keep coming up with the uh, podcast and making that interesting for folks. So uh, hope you uh, hope you understand if if I'm a little uh, a little lax in terms of the content generation over the next little bit. That'll be taking place in early February. That'll be kind of the peak of when it may be challenging uh, to generate some content. Uh, also, just kind of funny thing today. We had some really great football games, AFC and NFC Championship. 
championships. And I posted this on Twitter, but it's nuts to think about. About 18 years ago, I've been to like, I've been to two New England Patriots uh, football games. I lived there for 10 years, and one of the games happened to be a game in late September of 2001. It was Tom Brady's first start as the New England Patriots quarterback. He was going up against Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts. The New England Patriots were 0-2. Drew Bledsoe had just gotten injured. Nobody thought they were going to be good at all. And well, the rest is history. They beat the Colts 44-13 to that day. And we always joke around, me and the crew that uh, went to that game, um, we always joke around about how we saw the beginning of this major dynasty. So interesting to see the outcome of the games. What a game between the Chiefs uh, and the Patriots. I'm happy for my dad, a little bummed out for uh, Chiefs fans. And just, I like Patrick Mahomes. I like the way Kansas City runs their offense, but... Oh, well. Anyways, enough about football. If you do enjoy the podcast, please do leave a five-star rating and review. Always, always, always really appreciate that and really appreciate you listening to the podcast. There are so many options out there. And so every time somebody listens, um, I really do. um, I really do appreciate it. So thank you very much. You can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. That is going to be the best place to reach me. Also on Instagram at BatFlipCrazy, Facebook at BatFlipCrazyFantasy. YouTube, just search for Bat Flip Crazy. There are some, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, instructional videos on on how, uh, on my process and how I use different uh, features and tools and resources from different websites. So check that out. And then the website is batflipcrazy.com. All right, Malik Smith, Joe Musgrove, Derek Rodriguez. Let's get this party started. First up on today's podcast, we are going to take a look at Malik Smith, outfielder for the Seattle Mariners, previously of the Tampa Rays. In the two early mock drafts, he went in an average draft position of 113, but in NFBC drafts in the last month, he's gone an average draft position of 94 with a minimum pick of 72 and a max pick of 122. Last year was clearly Malik Smith's best season. He had 544 plate appearances after 282 and 215 the two previous years. 296 batting average. That did come on a 279 expected average, but it's important to note that a lot of expected metrics, both baseball savant and X stats, uh, do have trouble sometimes in identifying uh, the expected average of speedsters because they don't always factor in Uh, speed into the equation. So I would take that with somewhat of a grain of salt. Uh, BABIP 366, so really high BABIP. 347 though in 2017 and 302 in 2016. So again, um, you know, elevated BABIPs uh, for Malik Smith pretty consistently, but that 366 number is very high. 18% strikeout rate, which is a little surprising. That's down about 4%. Uh, from previous years. And while his contact did jump up overall, it was up 5% this year, at least overall contact, his in-zone contact was steady and they're both below league average numbers. So his overall contact rate of 76.6 last year is right at uh, 77%, which is league average. And then his in-zone contact rate was 82.8% with 85.5% being league average. So you know, the contact rate would, generally speaking, uh, 
align with a higher strikeout rate. So there may be a little bit of regression there, which will definitely impact batting average. OBP 367 uh, last year, 352 expected OBP because of that expected average. Uh, he got better as the as the year continued, 29.3% O swing overall, which is pretty consistent in line with his two previous seasons. He was a little bit more uh, aggressive swinging at pitches, 48.9% after having about a league average rate. He's now uh, a couple points above league average, and then the walk rate is right around league average at 8.6%. Now, this is really nice for a guy who's major... You know, the reason why people are drafting him is speed. And so having you know even a league average walk rate for a guy with his type of speed is not something that we see a lot. You know, when you look at guys like D. Gordon or uh, Billy Hamilton, your usual speedsters, they are not they are not known for walking a lot, which is really, really good. You know, one thing with with guys with this type of profile too is they oftentimes get pounded in the zone, right? Pitchers aren't trying to nibble at the edges. Uh, they're making them get hit since they're not really a threat for power. And so, you know, the walk rate is is around what you might expect uh, for Smith. I would be surprised if I wouldn't be surprised if it went down maybe a little bit um, as folks challenge him more in the zone. Uh, runs 65 last year, kind of surprising. 11.9 percent uh, runs per plate appearance with the elevated, uh, well above league average OBP that he had last year. I'm pretty surprised. Uh, that he only had 65 runs. So I definitely expect that runs per plate appearance with his speed and on-base ability uh, to be higher. Uh, with the Mariners, he's probably going to bat leadoff, would be my assumption, uh, because he's got a better OBP than D. Gordon, but you know, similar, similar in terms of speed. So that's just something to um, consider with him. I, I would expect that run total to be a little bit higher on a per-plate appearance uh, rate. Uh, than it was in 2018, which is a bonus. Home runs, two home runs on 3.7 expected home runs. Uh, so again, you know he is a, a rabbit, for lack of a better term. He's not. He's going to hurt you. He's going to actively hurt you in power, and you're going to need to figure out how you construct your team to account for both the home run and the RBI total, since they are also very, very low. The expected home run total was higher than the home runs, uh, about double. Uh, but still, we're talking about 0.7 home runs per plate appearance. Uh, we're talking about a very low hard hit rate of 27.1%. Home run per fly ball of 2.1%, so you really don't want him uh, hitting fly balls. That is the, the last thing that you want. Uh, so it's good that his ground ball rate is around 50%. It actually uh, was a little bit more elevated toward the end of the year, so maybe uh, there was a conscious approach there to stay away from hitting the balls in the air and hit them on the ground because that's what you're looking for uh, as a Malik Smith owner. Hard hit fly ball rate, not surprisingly, below league average at 30.5%. Hard hit pulled fly ball rate, uh, also, you know, lower than league average, but only slightly 27.6%. Six barrels at a 1.1% barrels per plate appearance. That's about where he's been uh, throughout his career. So again, really no power uh, whatsoever uh, from Malik Smith. Don't count on it. Uh, build your team accordingly. RBIs 40 with 7.4% RBI per plate appearance. Given the lack of home runs, lack of extra base hits, uh, and the fact that he's going to be batting leadoff, I would not anticipate this being a much higher uh, number in terms of RBI per plate appearance. So, you know, in that 30 to 40 range uh, seems reasonable. That's what rabbits like uh, D. Gordon and um, 
uh, Billy Hamilton often get. Uh, Woba, 339, 315 expected again, accounting for that average. Now here's here's the good stuff. 40 stolen bases last year, 7.4% stolen base per plate appearance, which is excellent, almost four standard deviations above the mean. And he's been consistently you know, stealing a lot of bases throughout his career. The one area of slight concern, and, you know, again, it's not major because anybody who, uh, any team that that trades for Malik Smith and has him playing in the lineup is going to have him run. Um, he His stolen base success rate, only 76.9% uh, this past year, 76.2% before that, 66.7% two years ago. So, again, he's right at that line of whether it makes sense or not, around 75%. So not a not a terrific base runner from a clear from just a base running standpoint, but again, he's obviously stealing a ton of bases with 40 last year in less than 600 plate appearances. Stolen base opportunity percentage, not surprisingly, uh, is about four and a half times league average at 22% last year. And again, not surprisingly, his sprint speed is elite, 29.8 feet per second. Uh, last uh, last year after 30.1 and 29.5 the years before that. So all in all, from a stolen base perspective, the good thing about Malik Smith, that's why you're getting him. He may not hurt you in average. I don't think you can count on him. You know, uh, this is going to be ironic, but, uh, you know, when, when D Gordon at the height of D Gordon, you know, he was, you know, a true 300 hitter. I don't know if Smith is that. I think he may have gotten a little bit um, on the lucky side last year in terms of the ballot batted ball. The quality is not super high. He's hitting a lot of dribblers, as we'll see in a second. And so that's just something to uh, consider with him, you know, but having that pretty decent OBP for a guy who steals a lot of bases uh, is is always a nice um, is always a nice thing. Let's take a look at that detailed batted ball profile. So uh, good news, pop-up percentage well below league average at 14.3%. Not surprisingly, his hard drive rate also well below league average at 4.6%. 10.8% is league average. So again, very, very weak contact he's making. And then dribblers at 34.8%. So about 10% uh, better than league average. His expected BABIP was 347. So almost supporting that 366. And again, if we account for speed, it may even even do that. Um, again, the expected metrics aren't always that great at, um, at speedsters. Uh, value hit percentage, 9.4%, 28.5% poor uh, hit percentage. So right around league average um, in both of those categories, those value hits, you know, are probably more your line drives than your uh, hard drive. So just something to consider, you know, overall. So the dribbler percentage, I'd love to see Smith with maybe a higher ground ball percentage. Those are the better launch angle uh, ground balls. 19.6% is league average. He was at 18.7%. But, you know, all, all, all in all, you want him hitting the ball on the ground and he's doing plenty of that. When we take a look at his rolling average graph, the good news is is that the contact was improving uh, as the year progressed, right around league average of 85.5% over his last 40 games and higher um, towards the end of the year, which is really nice. I mentioned the ground ball percentage spike really spiked uh, at the end of the year around, he got up to close to 60% ground balls. Again, he's one of the few guys where you want to see that. 
uh, from him, but it did tri trickle back down to about 55%, but still pretty nice towards the end of the year. Whether that was a conscious effort or not, I'm not sure. It does also correspond with a big drop in his hard hit rate, which again is not a big deal with a guy uh, like Malik Smith, right? It's not, we're not necessarily as concerned about how hard he's hitting it as how he's hitting it. And so it may be that, you know, he kind of sold out for contact, uh, just putting the ball in play, be, using his speed, using uh, the biggest talent that he has. And so, you know, if that's the case, then more power to him. It also corresponded with an improvement in his O swing. It got down, you know, into the mid uh, the mid twenties, around twenty, bottomed out around twenty six percent. Ended the season around at 28, 29%, so close to where he was over the course of the year. But again, the second half was much better. And we saw that, you know, in what he was able to um, produce uh, in the second half, 311 batting average, uh, 23 walks, 38 stolen bases, 24 stolen bases in 242 plate appearances. So that is really, really nice stuff from Smith. Um, you know, so let's look where he's going in drafts because the thing is this year, if you want speed, you're going to have to pay up for it. So, uh, Smith going, uh, around ADP of 96, the guys, the five hitters in front of him, Daniel Murphy, Yasiel Puig, Eddie Rosario, Mitch Haniger, Jose Abreu. So actually you have some really nice hitters here, guys that I like a lot. Murphy because of the batting average, uh, the runs, you know, the home runs have some potential in Colorado, the RBI, you know, the batting average, though, for Murphy in, in his new home is going to be great. Puig is a guy who's you know has the potential, especially in Cincinnati, with the way he hits the ball to go 30-20. Guy I like a lot. Eddie Rosario was having an amazing year prior to a shoulder injury last year. Again, a guy that you could see hit you know 20 to 30 home runs. The stolen bases are going to be a little bit lower, probably max out at about 10, but just something to consider. And again, Hanniger, very similar profile. Uh, to, to Rosario, higher batting average, uh, power, you know, uh, po possibility of double-digit home runs. So I like that type of player a lot. Those types of balanced profiles. So generally, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away from Malik Smith. The guys going behind him: Victor Robles, uh, Nick Castellanos, Michael Conforto, Josh Donaldson, uh, uh, Jose Peraza. So, you know. It, I think with Malik Smith, the value is the stolen bases. And if he uh, hits at the top of the Seattle lineup and he continues what he did in the second half and they give him the green light, he's going to steal a ton of bases. And that's where the value is going to get, uh, where you're going to get the value. The question is going to be whether you can build a team around him that's able to account for the low home run totals, the low RBI, and just the possibility. And I don't think it's necessarily a, a super high possibility that there are some average um, issues there. Um, so I do like Malik Smith. You know, I think he's going to steal a lot of bases. I think he'll get gap value for folks. So it's much more a less, much less a value question as it is a team construction. And if you listen to the podcast, you know, team construction is critical. And I like to have a lot of balanced guys because when you end up with rabbits, then you're putting all of your eggs in one basket, Easter, a little Easter, uh, joke there. Um, you know, you're putting all of your eggs in a basket, and if he gets injured, then you're going to be at a major loss in terms of speed. And so even if you are going to draft Malik Smith, I would definitely want uh, some more guys with stolen bases on the team, and you're going to need to get some boppers who don't steal a ton of bases probably later in the draft that provide 
uh, the home runs and RBIs if you haven't if you haven't loaded up on those earlier in the draft. So that is the major consideration um, for Malik Smith. You know, I don't mind the ADP given the skill and the lack of it overall in fantasy baseball. I just think you're going to need to construct your team uh, a little bit more around him, and you're going to lack that balance that provides some insurance uh, from injuries. Next up, we have Joe Musgrove, starting pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates, a guy I really like heading into this year. Uh, In the two early mock drafts, he was going at an average draft position of 265. He is shooting up draft boards right now, 237 uh, in the last month in NFBC drafts, 211 min pick, a 257 uh, max pick. I'll tell you why I like uh, Musgrove a lot. It's, well, I'll get to it in a second, but I just really love the skills uh, that he puts together and what he was able to show towards the end of last year. Uh, he had pitched 115 and one-third uh, innings. He has had trouble. You know, that's the most uh, innings pitch that he's had in a single season. Six wins on a Pirates team. You know, he should do okay. They're they're pretty much the definition of mediocre. 31.6% win percentage. His K-minus walk rate was at 15.8%. Uh, better than league average. His K percent was at 20.6%, which is actually a little surprising because his swinging strike rate was at 11.5, which is really strong uh, for a starting pitcher. Uh, I think the reason why his K percentage normally lags behind what you might expect from the indicators is that he throws the ball in the zone so much that even though he's getting swinging strikes, he's in the zone so much that... um, you know, he's in the zone. And so, so folks may be swinging and missing, but it's, they're still likely to see more pitches in the zone from him. Um, and his in-zone contact is about 86.8%. So not, not quite down at league average, um, a little bit above that. So I think that's why you see his K percentage being so low is batters are swinging at a lot of the pitches that they're seeing uh, because he is in the zone so much. And I'll get to that in one second. 100 strikeouts in the 115 and a third for 7.8 strikeouts per nine. Uh, I mentioned the in-zone contact at 86.8%, so slightly uh, worse than league average, 78.1% overall contact rate, slightly worse than league average. His walk percentage at 4.7% is really, really strong, and there's good reason for that. First pitch strike rate of 68.3%, well above league average. His O swing is also at 37.2%, well above league average. Elite number there. And then his zone percentage is at 50.9%. So every single control metric you could think of, um, he is in the zone a ton. And so the walk percentage being so low is not a, not a surprise. And that's one of the reasons why I I like him a lot is because he has the strikeout skills. He hasn't necessarily shown the strikeout ability quite yet, um, but he does have the skills there, and then the control is elite. And so at least from a whip perspective, I feel pretty good about where he's going to be heading into next year. Uh, Speaking of whip, he had a 118 uh, whip last year, so very solid number. Um, right there. That's after struggling a bit with a 151 and a 127 whip the two previous years. But again, last year was much better than the previous ones on a lot of metrics, especially towards the end of the year. 
uh, BABIP 294, a 279 expected BABIP. And this is where he's a little bit different than a lot of the other guys who have demonstrated really strong control, at least some of them. Uh, guys like Shane Bieber and uh, Nick Pavetta, for instance, have really strong control metrics, but they struggle a lot with giving up uh, really high BABIPs because they're in the zone so much. Uh, that has been a problem for Musgrove in the past, 338 BABIP last year, uh, 293 the year before that. Um, but this year, um, he really did a good job of limiting uh, hard contact, which I'll get to in the detailed batted ball profile. Soft percentage, slightly better than league average at 20%. Hard hit rate, slightly below league average at 33.8%, so nice there. 45.5% ground ball rate. Wobo of 295, expected Wobo of 296. ERA of 406, higher than uh, all of the ERA estimators, 359, 392, 393. His left on base percentage was very low, 69.2%. That's a little surprising given the fact that um, he does not give up a really high uh, BABIP and the home run, um, and he doesn't give up a ton of home runs. So he did give up 12 home runs on 14.7% expected home runs so a little bit of luck there but even with that his expected home run per fly ball is only 12.5 percent so right around league average and his uh, expected home run per nine is that would be at 115 right around league average but it was at 0.94 barrels down at 3.7 percent that's really nice to see because he was a little high at 5.8 percent and 4.6 percent the last two years so really nice overall in terms of uh, progress from a batted ball perspective for Musgrove uh, last year. I think there's a little bit of concern that he may return to those high BABIP ways. Uh, but when we see his pitch splits, which we're about to get to in um, uh, a couple seconds, um, that I think is where you see the real potential uh, of Musgrove. Looking at his detailed batted ball profile, 16.9% uh, pop-up rate, so worse than league average, but better uh, than last year. Uh, hard drives are down 1.5% too, down to 9%, so better than league average. Really nice to see there. Uh, the line drives and the ground balls um, uh, accounted for about 35% of his balls in play, which was similar uh, to... Um, uh, to last year, and then his dribbler percentage was at 27.6%, 3% better than league average. So that's really nice to see is that he is generating a uh, higher than league average dribbler. We want to see more pop-ups, but uh, he gives up a lot more uh, ground balls um, than he does uh, balls in the air. And so uh, that's just something to, um, uh, that's just something to note. Um, so uh, when we take a look at his expected BABIP, 279, uh, this year, so really nice after 326 and 314. Uh, his value hit percentage dipped down to 9.7%, uh, and his poor hit percentage jumped by about 4% to 29%, which is really nice. Again, we see that uh, popping up there in, uh, in the Babbitt for him. Now, the pitch splits are uh, absolutely uh, terrific uh, in a lot of instances for Musgrove. Uh, his four-seam fastball was the best that it had been, uh, in any season, uh, it was uh, faster at 93.5 miles per hour than the two previous years, which is a really nice sign. Uh, 92 WRC plus with a 296 WOBA. Uh, that is really, really nice for a four-seam fastball, especially a guy who's not necessarily known for having a particularly good fastball. His slider at a 62 WRC plus, a 248 WOBA, so really nice there. Uh, and then his changeup. Uh, 51 WRC plus, 
233 Woba. So three really solid pitches there. His sinker and cutter were bad pitches. 131 and 141 WRC plus, 353, 367 uh, Woba. I had a tweet that I put out last week that was just like, hey, what if Joe Musgrove stopped throwing his sinker and his cutter altogether because they're clearly uh, the worst pitches that he has in his arsenal? And hopefully he will at least tone those down a little bit um, next year. Uh, you know, you never know, you know, obviously pitches work off each other. So maybe the reason why his changeup was so good this year was because it was working really well off the sinker, or maybe his slider was working really well off the cutter, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, you can't just eliminate pitches and expect everything to stay the same, but they have not been good pitches, um, for him. And so I would be very, uh, supportive of him, uh, ditching, ditching them. His sinker has always been terrible. And so he really, you really should find a way not to throw it. Now, what's really special about these pitches is when you look at uh, the uh, skills, uh, or not the skills, but the play discipline metrics. So that slider, 17.6% swinging strike rate. That's about league average for a slider, but a 46.6% O swing. So really nice. So the fact that it's getting really good outcomes and also has really nice underlying skills, I think is a great uh, thing for that slider. The changeup is what it jumps off the page. 24.7% swinging strike rate. I think that's about 10% higher than league average for swinging strike rates on changeup. So that's awesome. And an O swing of 50.8%. Remember, he had a really high 37.2% O swing overall. And it's really led by that changeup and that slider. The sinker and cutter also have really good O swings. So that's nice. The four seam isn't bad for a, a fastball at 24.9%. Uh, but, you know, that is really, those are really, really intriguing skills for me on those pitches. I mean, the four seam, uh, the changeup, and the slider were both uh, better than league average in terms of WRC plus and WOBA. And then the skills are also better than league average on at least the slider and changeup. 7.2% swinging strike rate, not right on that four seam fastball. But again, the outcomes weren't. Poor. So that, I think, is what really gives me uh, a ton of hope for Musgrove, as do you know the end of season. I mean, when you look at his end of season, uh, his swinging strike rate was up at 12.1% over his last 10 games. The O swing was at 38.4%. Uh, he was still in the zone a ton at 51.9%, 72.3% first pitch strike. So those control metrics still really good. Uh, his Z contact slightly worse than league average at 87%. So really, really good. And I think one of the reasons why we saw that happen is because he did start to throw um, some of those pitches um, more consistently. The changeup, he started to throw more 15% of pitches in those last 10 games. Um, <clears throat> Uh, the slider, he also started throwing more around uh, close to a quarter of his pitches. And then when we take a look at the five-game rolling average, so just looking at his last five, man, his swinging strike rate at 14.7%. The usage of that um, uh, slider at 20%, the use of the changeup around 20% as well. The O swing at 37.3% and the end zone contact going down to about league average at 85.9%. So some really good developments in terms of the pitch mix 
um, and in terms of the skills for Musgrove, um, that is what makes me really, really excited about him. I think he could even go for increasing the slider and the changeup usage, um, you know, maybe dropping that sinker and cutter usage. And, and we could really see him take off, at least from a skills perspective. Again, I think he's, because the control metrics are so good, I might actually want to see him take those down a notch. Um, so he's not allowing so many balls in play uh, because he's in the zone so much and hitters are swinging so much at the pitches um, that they're seeing from him. Uh, that may keep the K percentage down just slightly, um, but um, it, is, uh, it is a really, really nice... Um, development. For instance, like over those last five games, his K percentage jumped up to 26.1%, the walk rate at 2.5%, so around a 23.5% K minus walk rate. That is Trevor Bauer level level good. Now, I'm not saying that Musgrove is going to go out and be Trevor Bauer, um, but I am saying that I think Musgrove could take a really big step um, forward and of the guys who has truly elite control metrics, Musgrove to me shows the most promise for also having elite strikeouts without having the really bad batted ball quality. So that is why I absolutely love Joe Musgrove coming into the season, especially where he is going in drafts. Now I expect that. Uh, you know, people are people are really smart, and he's already shooting up draft boards. You know, the min pick of two eleven. I anticipate that as we get closer to draft season in March, that is going to be up around the two seventy mark or so in terms of the min pick, and that his overall pick will be closer to uh, you know around two hundred. Because I really think as people dig in, uh, as more and more analysts kind of highlight him as a guy they think are going to break out, uh, that he is going to be. Um, you know, he's going to be a darling for a lot of people, so you won't get as much value as maybe you will if you're drafting now. But either way, I really love Musgrove as a guy who could take a step up uh, big time uh, this year and to, to be a number two, number three uh, fantasy starter. And that uh, would be something terrific for fantasy owners with pitching being so suspect outside of the top guys. In terms of the guys that he is uh, going around, let's take a look. Um, pitchers going ahead of him, uh, starting pitchers, Forrest Whitley, Jake Arrieta, Kenta Maeda, Ross Stripling, Alex Wood. Um, I probably like Musgrove the most out of these, except for maybe Kenta Maeda. I think Maeda shows a similar um, ability in terms of the skills. They're off the charts. The Dodgers are a better team. I think Musgrove has definitely has more of a likelihood of being the 200-inning pitch type guy. I think the volume will probably be more so with Musgrove, although the injury history is a little bit concerning. But I definitely would take him over Forrest Whitley, uh, you know, with the question marks about how much he's going to be able to pitch and in what role he will be pitching. Much better than Jake Arrieta, whose strikeout rate has cratered and is far too reliant on balls in play. Stripling, who doesn't really have a rotation spot locked down, and Wood. I would definitely move Musgrove ahead of all those guys. Um, who else do we got going above him in terms of starting pitchers? There's a real big gap there, but way I'd have him higher than Sean Newcomb. I'd have him higher than Kevin Gaussman. Have him higher than Joey Lucchese, John Lester, Josh James, John Gray. Uh, I'd put him around Rich Hill. 
you know, round one, won't pick 185. I'd take him over Jose Quintana if I'm being honest with you. Um, so I'd take him over Dallas Keuchel. So I could see taking him as, as early as in the 170s, 160s. I'd take him over Eovaldi, to be honest with you. So, you know, Glass now around 164. That's probably actually the area that I would have him in right now because I just think the skills are, are similar, the control, the whip. There's a lot of things that Musgrove has going for him. Again, a little bit of a yellow flag because of the history in terms of batted balls, but the skills are only getting better. The pitches look terrific. And so, you know, Musgrove is a guy that I'm going to be targeting and I'm probably going to be owning in a lot of places in 2019. Next up, we have a guy who helped out a lot of fantasy teams out of nowhere last year, but a guy that I am not owning any shares of uh, heading into 2019, and that is Derek Rodriguez of the San Francisco Giants. He went at a too early draft, uh, too early mock draft average draft position. Say that ten times fast of 264 NFBC over the last month he's been at 312 with a 277 min pick and a 368 max the biggest issue with Rodriguez for me is just the lack of any skills and uh, a reliance heavily on on luck Uh, so you can't get Uh, much of a worse combination than all of those things, except for bad luck. Uh, He's gotten quite good luck. 19 games started, 112 innings pitched last year, only five wins, 26.3% wins per start. His K-minus walk rate was at 10.7%, well below league average uh, for starting pitchers by about 3%. Uh, K percentage was at 17.9%. Again, Uh, Below league average, you are going to hear that often. 82 strikeouts and 112 innings pitched, good for 6.59 strikeouts per nine. He is a guy who, if you are in an innings limit league, like I'm in one um, uh, keeper league, home league that I play in that uh, is daily transactions and it has an innings pitch limit, which is functionally a K K per nine league, uh, he is pretty much unrosterable in those formats because the strikeout rates are going to be so low swinging strike rate of 8.5 percent so about two percent below league average there uh 87.7 percent contact made worse than league average there so contact uh worse than league average there overall contact worse than league average there you're going to get used to hearing this now his 7.2 percent walk rate was better than league average of 8.5 percent but when you break it down his first pitch strike rate a really good, which correlates strongly with walk rate, was below league average at 57.4% by about 3%. His O swing at 28.8% is about 2% below league average. And then his zone percentage at 42.7% is also below league average. So all of his major control skills are well below league average, and yet he still managed to have a lower walk rate um, than league average. Now, the reason for this is because people make so much damn contact against him when he pitches. And so he may have a lower walk rate because he's giving up so much contact, but there are very, very few pitchers that are going to be successful, um, if any, uh, giving up the type of contact that Derek Rodriguez has given up in his short career. A 1-1-3 whip, 
that came because of a two, that lower than uh, league average walk rate and then a 257 BABIP. That 257 BABIP came on a 303 expected BABIP. So that's a 46 point gap between his BABIP and his expected BABIP. And you will expect some hardcore uh, regression not the good kind on that 257 BABIP this year. His soft hit rate was well below league average at 12.5%, 18.1% is league average. His hard hit rate was higher than league average at 39.6%, 35.3% um, hard hit percentage. His ground ball rate was lower than league average at 39.6%. Uh, his WOBA 290, his expected WOBA at 317, that is worse than league average for uh, fantasy relevant uh, pitcher, starting pitchers, his, um, uh, and a, t- a 27 point gap between that Woba and that expected Woba. His FIP was at 381, his ex-FIP of 457 this year at 462. Um, his left on base percentage was at 78.1%. That again is because that BABIP was so low. Once that BABIP uh, goes up to where it should be, then that left on base percentage is going to come falling down. And oftentimes you'll see those higher left on base percentages from guys who have higher strikeout rates because fewer balls are being put into play to to knock in batters. That is not the case with Rodriguez. So I'd expect some major regression from in that department. The one area where he does show some um, hope uh, is with limiting home runs and uh, really hard, good contact. Nine home runs last year, 8.7 expected home runs, um, a 7.4% home run per fly ball rate, super low there, 7.1% expected home run per fly ball rate. Whether he can maintain that or not is a whole different story, but the barrel rate was pretty good too, 14 barrels given up, 3.1% barrels per plate appearance, Uh, so really good stuff there from Rodriguez. That's the one thing he has going for him, but again, you know, he also doesn't you know, his ground ball rate is lower than league average. So he is giving up, um, you know, a lot of contact in the air. And we're going to get to that right now with his detailed batted ball profile. Now, his pop-up percentage was at 20.3%. So that is better than league average by about 2%, which is really nice. Those are those automatic outs. But his hard drive percentage is right at league average at 10.7%. And then his dribbler percentage was at 19.2%. And so that is 5%, 5.5% worse than league average, which is not necessarily something um, that you want uh, to see. And so that I think is the, is, is the thing for Rodriguez too, is he's been able to limit his home run per fly ball, but he is giving up a lot of contact in the air. And he gave up a very high fly ball percentage last year, uh, up by about 2.7%. Uh, one of the higher fly ball percentages I've seen based on XStat's detailed batted ball profiles. And, um, you know, it, it could be that those which don't have very good year-to-year correlation could end up as hard drives. They could also end up as pop-ups next year, you know, whatever it is. But um, I just have major concerns about a guy who is putting the ball, allowing balls in play at such a really high level without showing any really good skill except for quote-unquote contact management if you will but even in that department he is giving up a lot of fly balls and not like an extreme extreme number of pop-ups so that's just warning signs abound uh, left and right when we take a look at his um at the skills of his pitches um you know nothing special with the velocity 91.7 uh uh average on his four seam fastball uh, not very fast at all, especially uh, for a right-handed pitcher. 
Um, his WRC plus 103 on the four seam uh, with a 311 Woba. So not terrible uh, again, but again, he got really lucky in terms of um, uh, batted balls. Curveball at 53 WRC plus a 232 Woba. Changeup at 35 WRC plus and a 205 Woba. And then his slider was at a 79 WRC plus. Uh, 279 Woba. His sinker got hit real hard, 140, 366 Woba. Now, this is what's really important. And Alex Chamberlain had a really good article about this, uh, about the danger of pitch values and also just looking at outcomes. You know, I always mention WRC Plus, but then I also talk about the underlying skills of those pitches that may have resulted in why they did so well. And we don't see any reason why they did so well when we really dig in. So the four-seam fastball actually has a decent swinging strike rate at 9.3%, O-swing at 32.1%, so that's pretty good. Um, But then when we look at the curveball, 9.7% swinging strike rate, a 21.9% O-swing. Those are both bad for a curveball. His changeup, 11.1% swinging strike rate, 34% O-swing. The O-swing's okay, but the swinging strike rate is below average for a changeup. His sinker, 4.3% swinging strike rate, 21.7% O-swing. The slider, 8.5% swinging strike rate. That's like half the average swinging strike rate of a slider. And 29.6% O-swing. So the highest swinging strike rate pitch he has is 11.1%. And so there's nothing in his arsenal that points to him being able to get a swinging strike rate that would be anywhere close to um, reasonable. The O swing, he's got no put, no pitches that are really pushing that O swing higher. And then the end zone contact, you know, in a lot of ways, his his secondary pitches are actually worse in terms of end zone contact than his four seam fastball. And, you know, and this highlights again, Alex had a great article about pitch values. He's got five pitches with positive pitch values, but all of them, except for maybe the four seam fastball based on skills are not good pitches. And so this is a situation I think, and it happens a couple times a year where you have a guy whose outcomes do not mesh at all with the skills that you see. And, you know, he could come out of nowhere and surprise me on this, but I am very confident in saying that Derek Rodriguez, in the way that he pitches right now, is going to be in for some major trouble um, this year, I think. Again, you know, you never know uh, what can change year to year. When we look at his 10-game rolling average, you know, again, nothing is changing. It's pretty stable. 87.3% in-zone contact end of the year. 57.1% swinging strike rate. His highest... Uh, or first pitch strike rate, his highest first pitch strike rate over 10 games was still below league average. You know, his lowest uh, point of in-zone contact was also still worse than league average. His uh, highest point of in-zone contact, you know, slightly better than league average, but he finished the year around 41%, uh, real low. Again, O-swing, very low at 27.4% towards the year. So it's got, he got worse as the year progressed, 8.5% swinging strike rate. So, you know, everything is pointing to Rodriguez getting very lucky in on his BABIP, which helped keep the ERA and the WHIP reasonable. He generates a ton of contact, so that walk percentage stays low, but it's because he gives up so many balls in play. His strikeout rate is super low, so he's borderline unrosterable in innings pitched uh, limits or K per nine leagues. And that ERA is going to go up. I would be very surprised if he was able to maintain a 7.4% home run per fly ball rate. Um, you know, So everything points to some major regression for Rodriguez. He's a guy that I'm not even interested in at his current 
uh, ADP. When we look at other pitchers going in similar areas to Rodriguez, uh, in the last month in NFBC, Mike Miner, which I talked about, a guy that I like a lot, Tuki Toussaint for the Braves, uh, Mike Soroka for the Braves, Corbin Burns for the Brewers, Freddie Peralta for the Brewers, Sonny Gray for the Yankees, soon to be Reds, Annabelle Sanchez. Those guys are all within uh, you know 10 to 20 picks of Rodriguez, and they're all guys that I'm getting uh, ahead of him. Uh, behind him, Marcus Stroman. If you want a guy who, you know, uh, quote-unquote contact management, at least Stroman has a few years where he's been able to show that he can be a decent pitcher in that in that capacity. I'm not saying you should draft him. I wouldn't. But Luke Weaver, you know, again, a guy who has not pitched well, needs a third pitch, but at least you got something, you know, where you've seen him uh, be able to um, – uh, generate a decent strikeout rate in the big leagues. Jake Junis and his slider, you know, worth worth a gamble ahead of him for sure. Michael Fulmer, you know, same thing. Matthew Boyd, you know, pitched better uh, than before last year by getting a ton of pop-ups. So a similar approach uh, to Rodriguez, but more swinging strike, uh, better, uh, just a better overall uh, bet. Uh, Zach Eflin going behind him. Vince Velasquez going behind him. Uh, these are guys that I would be taking much, much higher. And so Matt Harvey, a guy who I'll probably talk about soon because I saw something really interesting on, in on him. Uh, there's just tons of guys, and every single one of them has a reason why I'm going to draft him ahead of Rodriguez next year. So I'm really staying away from Derek Rodriguez. I see the appeal if you're looking based solely on outcomes, but there's nothing at all in the skill profile that points to him being able to get to be a successful uh, major leaguer consistently unless something drastic changes um, in both his arsenal uh, and the underlying skills. Reach, Charles! Reach! <laughs> For today's Reach, Charles, I am giving a huge uh, kudos to the folks uh, at BaseballSavant.com. Uh, if you're not familiar with Baseball Savant, you definitely need to familiarize yourself uh, with the website. It's where you get all of the exit velocity, barrels, uh, sprint speed, uh, stat cast data. And I want to give a huge shout out to Darren Willman, um, who I believe is the programmer behind a lot of the visuals that you see there, including the website. And I just want to give a huge kudos because there are some really, really cool um, things that they've added in the most recent um, update to the website. Uh, for the StatCast leaderboards, for instance, they have the usual exit velocity and barrels for hitting expected statistics. They've got the same for um, pitching, uh, although they've, uh, they've added pitch arsenals, um, which uh, lets you look at uh, average velocity, uh, average spin rate, and an average percentage of pitches by pitch. So, you know, looking at who throws the fastest uh, four-seam fastball on average uh, based on the number of pitches that they've thrown, who, throw, who has the highest spin rate um, among uh, pitchers. And you used to only be able to see this using uh, the advanced search metric. And now it's very, very easy to navigate under the pitch arsenal uh, pitch arsenals um, in the pitching statistics. 
Um, when you look at running, one thing I love that they did is they did 90-foot running splits. That's a new feature uh, to the website. And what I love about this is that we often think about uh, the distance between bases being 90 feet. But when you're stealing second or you're stealing third, it's not 90 feet, right? Because you're generally getting a lead. And I'm just going based on you know the average leads that I see when they have the little distance marker uh, on television, but you know you're obviously looking at you know uh, around 75 feet, uh, you know 80 to 75 feet. And so instead of looking at the 90 foot sprint speed or the 60 foot sprint speed, you can look at like the 75 foot sprint speed. So who are the fastest guys over 75 feet? You know, Gerard Dyson, uh, Dustin Fowler, Magnaria Sierra, Malik Smith, Delino DeShields, Billy Hamilton, Travis Jankowski. You know, uh, Ronald Acuna is at number nine. Mike Trout's at number 10. Uh, when you look at the same numbers, you know, um, over 90 feet, you know, you can kind of see where people move up and down, but it gives you a sense of who might be among those top uh, stolen base guys. Um, uh, yeah, so that's really, really interesting. I like looking at that 75 feet, that 80 feet, just to see how quick goes, guys are going and where they rank uh, in the list there. So that's a really cool feature that they have too um, uh, there. You know, it's just really nice to see, you know, the advanced search can be a little challenging, or they now call it search on the new website. It can be a little challenging to navigate just because there is so much data uh, at your disposal. And so I think a lot of people shy away from that. But especially like with the pitch arsenals um, and being able to see, you know, which starting pitcher, uh, you know, who's thrown at least a thousand, uh, a thousand four seamers, who's got the fastest you know, four seam fastball among starters, right? You know, Noah Syndergaard, Luis Severino, Nathan Eovaldi, um, Garrett Cole, you know, looking at things like that. And then similarly, you can look at, okay, what's the average spin rate? Who has the highest average spin rate? Okay, Justin Verlander, right? Mike Miner, Tyson Ross. So you can look at things like that. You can look at that for curve. You can look at that for slider. Now, I don't have a huge sense of how spin rates yet you know, really impact pitches, except if they're like outliers in terms of what the spin rate is. Uh, but having access to this type of information is super um, interesting, um, and it makes it a lot easier in the new Baseball Savant leaderboard. So a huge kudos. Definitely go to Baseball uh, Savant. Uh, check out the new leaderboard. Um, it's also a huge, huge, huge tool in season when you can go to the game feed app and you can see game by game how pitchers are doing in terms of you know which pitches they're throwing, what their swinging strike rate is, things of that nature, which is really, really helpful, um, I find. And then it still has all the data that you've, got, you've come to know um, and love, uh, like uh, the um, barrels per plate appearance, barrels uh, per batted ball event, 95 miles per hour, average home run distance. Uh, fly ball line drive exit velocity, launch angle, balls in play, max exit velocity, um, all of that stuff. And so that is really, really uh, exciting. Um, I'm really excited about the revamp that they've done. You should definitely check that out. Um, and that is today's Reach Charles.
That is going to wrap us up for episode 54 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We covered Malik Smith, uh, the latest in a series of rabbits who will get you a ton of stolen bases and can bring you a lot of value, but does pose some challenges from a team construction standpoint um, in Roto Leagues, uh, especially uh, if you're doing Roto Leagues that involve um, an overall prize. Uh, Joe Musgrove, a starting pitcher I love, love, love heading into next year. I will own him a lot, and I and I, I don't know where I'm going to have him in my rankings, but I like him more than every single pitcher, uh, except for maybe Rich Hill going in the top, uh, going after pick 170, and he's currently at 235 in terms of ADP. So love him. And then Derek Rodriguez, I kind of feel the opposite about him. He's a guy who produced decent outcomes last year, helped out a bunch of fantasy teams, but the skills just really, um, really point towards a lot of luck and not a lot of skill. Um, involved in doing that. Things can always change, uh, but as is, I would stay very far away from Derek Rodriguez in leagues this year. All right. I really appreciate you listening. If you would like to follow me on Twitter or uh, connect with me there at BatFlipCrazy, that is the best place to do that. If you like the podcast, leave a five-star rating and review. Really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another.